Has a lane, 15-10, touchdown, Chargers! What's up, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. As always, joined by Matt Bunny-Smith. It's the first week of summer vacation, I guess. We haven't done one of these in a while. And money, this is a first. Lindsay Theory, ESPN, making her roundtable debut. Yeah. And the, the last time we had this gentleman on, he was upside down in his Miata. If you watch the podcast video, I think he's got it all figured out now. Money. It's a true story. Jeff Miller did make a, an appearance, and the frame was upside down, and he was in an automobile. And of all automobiles, it was a Mazda Miata. So, yes, it was. Uh, Lindsay got a lot to live up to. Good luck trying to match what Miller was able to accomplish the last time he was on. There's no way I can even top that. That sounds like a great legend right there that we told over and over again. Yes, I believe there's a folk song written about it. You can hear it at uh, Hurricanes there on Main Street. They've, uh, they've put it on a loop. Jeff, that's on the top of the resume, no? Uh, it's it's probably the as I uh, I think I mentioned at the time it's that is probably the best thing I've ever delivered to this program right there that moment is right. m- more than anything I ever said any insight any opinion right. any analysis that was the best thing I've ever delivered so well, this will be a letdown I can't wait for what this next thirty forty five minutes is going to hold <laughs> uh, you, you know you guys have been out there pretty much the entire off season. Uh, Money, I'll start with you. We'll go around the horn. We've talked about so many different things from January to present. Uh, what would you say was the biggest takeaway? What did you learn about this Chargers team this offseason uh, if you had to kind of distill it down to one thing? There's really not, you know, it's tough to, to have any real takeaways from, you know, kind of guys running around in shorts and, and helmets, as you know, Chris. But I, I think. For me, just based on, and obviously I read everything that, that Jeff and Lindsay are, are posting and writing along with the other people that cover the team, and that's the, the, the true excitement is around Kellen Moore. And I think it, it was born of some of the frustrations surrounding what a Joe Lombardi offense looked like. And we don't even really know what the offense is going to look like, but it's the unknown. And, and we know that the Cowboys offense has been good the last couple years. And so I think that's, to me, it feels like that's the centerpiece of Hope Springs Eternal what's going to make the Chargers take the next step this year. And, and Lindsey and Jeff, I feel like Kellen Moore seems to be the centerpiece of what a lot of people are talking about. Definitely. Money, you took the words right out of my mouth, though. The off-season program, it's like, what's really going on out here? I, you can't – it's hard It's hard to have any solid takeaways, also because uh, there, it's such like a learning period, and it, it's it's not really about competition. It's about getting the rookies – up to speed on the playbook. It's about installing new things, trying new things, testing the limits on what they've already done. Um, so it's a bit difficult to gauge, but to your point, Kellen Moore has absolutely been the focal point. Um, there's a couple, obviously, rehab assignments that have been interesting to kind of monitor, but but it's all about Kellen Moore and uh, what he's going to do, especially with Justin Herbert. And uh, the, obviously the Chargers uh, went into the draft and, and went to get another big receiver. So that was also interesting to monitor what Quentin Johnston's been doing and what teammates are saying about him. Yeah, I, well, I just uh, echo the same, the same thoughts. And I think, the, uh, I think the other element of that is Justin Herbert and his health and the fact that uh, I, I don't think we can – it's, it, we all talked about it, wrote about it forever during the season, but I think it's good to remember how limited he was for a good stretch of last year. And now, you know, he appears to be healthy. And I think it's just that idea of, like, 
we've, you know, our quarterback is healthy. We got a new offensive coordinator. So I think if you're the Chargers, you're their fans. It, you, you know, you look at what the Cowboys did. You look at, you know, Mike McCarthy after the season last year, talk, you know, had that quote about all Kellen Moore wants to do is score points and, you know, and run up the, you know, run up the totals. And, and yeah, and people are like, well, what? yeah, that's the offense. So you hear stuff like that. And then you think, okay, now you, you know, he did that with Dak Prescott. Now he's got, you know, Justin Herbert, who I think we all can agree is a, is a, another level of, of passer, certainly. And I, I think that's why, you know, people are just are, are super excited about what, what this will look like. And as everybody said, we have no idea yet. But, um, you know, we'll learn that once the, the pads come on and once they get moving around a little bit, and especially those joint practices, you know, this summer. Money, when we left Jacksonville that night, I think there was a lot of uncertainty as to who was even going to be back, what they were going to do in terms of the offense, the coaching staff, um, different moves that they could make this offseason. And I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me is, it, you know, you looked at Keenan's cap number and Mike's cap number. They're running this thing back with largely the same crew that they did it with this past year. And, and I think that they're confident that they can make that, that next leap and win a playoff game or two with this current group. But when we left Jacksonville that night, shoot, I think everything was on the table in, in terms of what would happen in 2023 but it looks like they're going to keep that continuity. And, and that was really the yeah. thing I think that st stuck out to me the most going over these last six months. Well, I think, you know, part of that is, is born from just, real, you know, economic reality and the fact that they spent all their money last offseason to get Brandon Staley the pieces that he wanted and, and were, had limited resources to spend this offseason. I think what you're speaking to, Chris, is also, you know, you got older receivers, particularly Keenan, uh, typically guys that are over 29, don't necessarily put up big seasons in the NFL. It's just sort of the way, you know, history has been our guide at, at that particular position. So we thought maybe that'd be a way to free up some cap space. But the more I thought about it, the more I just think about where we were exactly a year ago after they signed J.C. Jackson, after they signed Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson, and everybody was talking about this team as a legitimate Super Bowl threat. And I think, you know, it, it may sound a bit optimistic going into this season or I work for the Chargers, so perhaps it's a, it's a homer take. People can say that, but it's a really good roster. Like, that was a really good roster last year that got absolutely beat to hell. And they still made the playoffs. They still had a 27-0 lead at halftime before things just went horribly wrong. They, you know, once again... We're trading blows with the Chiefs into the final two minutes of a game only to watch, you know, defeat emerge from victory. So I think there was a lot of reasons why you would, you would want to run it back. Um, the, the one thing that I'd, I'd like to see more of, you know, Lindsay, is, and that we've talked about is just depth, you know, so, so that doesn't happen again. So there is more depth available if, in fact, injuries show up. You know what's been really interesting, I think, just this entire offseason is it is the same roster that a year ago we were talking about. I mean, we were talking about it. outsiders, national people, all kinds of people were talking about this is a Super Bowl caliber roster. And then you look at it and arguably it did get a little bit better when you bring back or when you bring in Eric Kendricks, a, you know, inside linebacker. Um, obviously, there's a couple questions in the secondary, uh, but the narrative has just really changed, um, at least from a, kind of a big picture perspective. It's like this team's another year older and underachieved last year. Uh, I think it's just be really interesting to see if this group can stay healthy, which seems to be a big question. 
um, if this group can stay healthy, can it achieve at the level that they were anticipated to a year ago? Um, it, it just, it's been really just an interesting thing to watch how they went from being among the favorites. And then it's like maybe they, people just don't trust them anymore, right? Do you, right. Do you trust them after you blow a lead like that? Uh, because it looks like on this roster, I mean, I, when I go through it and I make like offseason roster projections, it's like from top to bottom at every position, they're really good. Depth's a concern, but I think you look at a lot of teams and depth's always going to be a concern if, if you're bringing stars at, at most starting positions, which arguably the Chargers have. Yeah, you know, I don't know about you guys. I, there's a part of me that um, if I uh, was sort of handicapping this team, I, there's a little bit of a concern. You know, when teams don't make changes, it, a lot of times it doesn't work. Like, uh, it, it, it seems like in sports that if teams make a ton of changes, like uh, they add a bunch of guys, you see it in, in, in all sports, it, a lot of times that doesn't work. It takes a year or so. And then when teams don't do much, a lot of times that doesn't work either. So I've, I would be a little bit leery just, um, you know, there, there really hasn't been, other than Kendricks replacing Drew Tranquil and, and Nas Adderley retiring, I mean, right, there's not much not much has changed on the, on the roster. Um, now they change coordinators and they shuffle the coaches, which, which I'm sure, um, you know, they'll, they, they would point to that and say, well, you know, things have changed. And, uh, and to money, as Money said, they, it, a lot of this was economically driven where they couldn't really do a ton. But there is part in the back of my mind, I have been thinking, you know, all off season that, you know, they haven't done a whole lot. And I've covered a lot of teams and other, you know, in football, other sports where when they don't change a lot, it, it doesn't always, it doesn't always, you know, recapture any kind of uh, thing, you know, glory that they thought they were going to have. Now, the other aspect of that is a bunch of guys were hurt last year, so you know, we didn't really see that team necessarily the way they, they anticipated. So maybe that, you know, maybe that factors into it too. But I, you know, I have been thinking about the fact that, you know, it, I don't want to say it's stagnant, but it is, you know, it, it, they're, they're running it back basically uh, almost intact. Jeff, it's a great point, and I think it starts with the quarterback, and you alluded to his health last year. I think there's three parts to the Justin Herbert offseason story right now, right? His health, which seems to be – pretty good right now the contract which we expect to be coming here uh, sooner than later and then really his play on the field and if Kellen Moore can unlock another level to Justin Herbert that he's going to need to get to to beat the Patrick Mahomeses and all these quarterbacks that we talk about in the AFC and what I kind of want to dig into that that last point because I think to Jeff's point not much has changed but I think they are expecting Kellen Moore to unlock another level of Justin Herbert that can perhaps get them to the divisional championship and eventually the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think I'll I'll pick up on on something Jeff sort of finished with there about the you know it's it's a roster that's coming back intact. So where you know where do you get that extra push and and you know it's a new green dot. So you've got a new you know head of communication on on defense and you've heard about you know kind of what Derwin has said and and sort of how they feel about Eric Kendricks now manning that role. Um, it sounds like that's a big positive. But I think beyond that, and, and this is a tough thing to measure because I think, you know, we're fortunate enough to see it here that, that fans don't. What players look like at the end of a football game? You know, what, what that 60 minutes does to their bodies um, and the toll that it takes. So for people, you know, that talk about motivation and, well, you know, 
Joey's going to want to prove, you know, to the people, you know, about how that ended in Jacksonville and all those games that he missed. And same thing with, you know, Rashawn Slater, who was, you know, was lost in the third game, and he wants to be that protector. And, and I appreciate all that. At the same time, I know what this game does to these guys. And so I think the idea that they have some sort of motivation to prove to people Oh, this this is I'm I'm really going to show you. You watch to see what you know JC Jackson has in store for you. Well, yeah, I mean you're getting your head caved in for 60 minutes 17 times a year. So I think those motivations are hard to predict and hard to project, but I think Jeff just kind of to to your point of you know what's different. I think the 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 flip side of that and kind of where I'm going with it is there are other guys in your position group that are out there getting their asses kicked while you're on a stationary bike. And I do think there is some of that. I, I feel responsible. I feel as though I am indebted to them because I wasn't out there with them. So I think that's maybe where some of that will come from. Um, the, way the, game, the way the season ended, how much better they felt, that just the way they lost those two games to the Chiefs, you know, you've got Corey Lindsley goes down, and that pretty much directly leads to the to the injury to Justin Herbert. You know, nothing against, you know, Clap, but, like, that's what happened. It was a blown assignment on the interior that led to Justin, you know, getting beat up. So that's where I'm looking along with, Chris, what you said with Kellen Moore. I think that's where I'm looking for that that change that could make things a little bit different this year and and maybe make it feel like, okay, it's not going to end the, the, the way it has the last two seasons with this incredible disappointment on the last game that we've played of the season. Lindsey, what, what are your thoughts on, on Justin taking another step in his career on the field? You know, we, we've seen him break every seeming record for, you know, throughout his first two, three years, but um, I think there's an extra gear he needs to get to if this team's going to get to where they want to go. Unless you want to build on that elongated disaster of an answer I just gave to that question. And I don't think I even <laughs> no, answered it. No, it was a great answer. more than welcome to do that as well. I will touch on just um, – let me take uh, – my brain doesn't work anymore. So, like, I just have to take notes on, like, the points I'm trying to make. Um, just touching on the change. It, it was really interesting last year because I was the first time – not first time, a, a new beat reporter my first year on the beat. And I – I'm not going to lie to you guys, I had a really challenging time writing about this team because it's like every week there was a new important role person or star player who wasn't available. And so it's like by the end of the season, I was like, well, what What the heck do they even have here? Uh, most vivid game in my mind um, when they performed well was week two. And so I think, okay, like we didn't see that iteration of that football team again for the rest of the season. Um, so just kind of going back around to what – uh, Matt and Jeff said is just I think there is change because you didn't have your star left tackle out there most of the season you didn't have uh, Keenan and Mike going for Justin Herbert which brings me full circle like this to Justin Herbert I think we do need to see him take another step and I think he's going to be able to do that um, one just by his play Kellen Moore is going to say you have got a heck of an arm let's go use it I mean I can't tell you how many opposing coaches I've spoken to over the last two years covering this team uh, in 2020 for mostly television purposes, or 2021 for mostly television purposes, and last season, I talked to so many opposing coaches, and they're like, Justin Herbert, uh, one guy said, is build a quarterback. He's like the absolute physical specimen you want. His arm can do anything. Um, so hopefully Kellen Moore and watching this, what he wants to do this spring, 
really pushes Justin and enables him and empowers him to go down the field. And then I think we can see a whole new dynamic open up um, when you have Keenan and you have Mike. Keenan's older, but he's still a good receiver. He's going to catch the football. You, and he'll be more open. He'll have more space to work in if you can stretch the field like what they're anticipated to do with Quentin Johnston uh, and Mike Williams. So I, I also think there's a component where Justin, in his going to his fourth season, um, he's got all the physical tools. Undoubtable. Undoubt, yeah, but I, I don't know. I do question whether or not he can take this team to a Super Bowl. Um, because there's more to being a franchise quarterback than throwing the football a really long way. And, and absolutely that helps. But um, I, I think that so, uh, there's some moments in the locker room, some moments around where you just feel like they need a little bit stronger presence from him. And, and that's really hard to quantify. It's it's very like an intangible. Um, but just in going on eight years covering the NFL, when you've been around championship quarterbacks, you feel feel a little bit more of a, a vibe from them off the field. So maybe his teammates feel it and we just don't see it. Um, but personally, I'd like to see a little more. Is it like the dog? Does the kids like to say, Lindsay, you want to see more of a dog in him? Well, I, I, I don't know. I think he's got plenty of dog. I mean, he went out there and played with broken ribs. He went yeah. out there and played with a hurt shoulder. I think he's got plenty of dog in him. But I think there are moments – when you kind of feel like guys are looking around, looking to be led. You're talking vocal, vocal yeah, leadership. Maybe vocal, maybe it's just, I, I don't know, but it's not like rah-rah, but I, I do get the sense that there are young people or people who are new to the organization who sometimes look around and you kind of see it and, you know, Justin's a lead by example and maybe sometimes there could be a little more element of just the total embodiment of a franchise quarterback. I'm going to get killed for this, right? You're not. <laughs> Look, I th- I, Lindsay, I think just – and, Jeff, I know you want to pick that up, but I, I think one of the things that we heard coming out of the Jacksonville game is, and it's fair or not, but it's like, you know, and, and this is what he's got to deal with because of his talent level, is Joe Burrow's not losing a, 20, a game they lead 27 nothing. Josh Allen is not losing a game they lead 27 nothing. Patrick Mahomes is not going to lose a game, whether it's on Justin or it's on the defense or they couldn't run the ball. I think that's – what you're talking about. I feel, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that's what a lot of people said coming out of that game. Like, hey, if you're the guy, if you're the build a quarterback, you got to win that game. Yeah. Like that, that's a game that you have to win in the postseason. And so I think that's perhaps what at least I, I think kind of what I would point to this season is, yeah, those are, those are the moments that you're trying to figure out. Like you can't lose that game. That, that game cannot be lost. And the quarterback gets the credit, the head coach gets the credit, and the quarterback gets the blame, and the head coach gets the blame. And I think that's perhaps what our – well, it's not perhaps. It's what the last takeaway was from last season. Yeah, and when you look at what they're about to give him as far as a contract, you know, you make a lot of money, soon to be making a lot of money. You carry a lot – there's a lot on your shoulders. Um, you know, it just, it's, a, it's the hardest position in sports for a reason – um like a lot of praise a lot of blame i you know at some point all those stats need to equate to wins in the postseason jeff i money and i talked about this last week and and money had a a much better point about this than i did i 
we, we talked about the Jacksonville game, and these guys are like, we don't want to talk about Jacksonville anymore. It's a new season. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this is the, the, the start to the end of talking about Jacksonville, and they could actually focus on this team with Kellen Moore. And I know it's a lot of the same guys, but it's a, each season is different. This thing ain't going away because every time we talk about this team, Jacksonville gets mentioned, as it should. And, and I think that this team is going to have to find that balance of, all right, let's focus on a new season and also – we're going to have to live with this because it ain't going away. Yeah, and I think what – and a few of the players have said this. Derwin James said it the other day. Um, they just need to play a game. And then typically in sports, when you play a game, that other game goes right. away. Now, if they come out and they win their opener big and everything's great, then that'll a lot of that will go away until they get to the end of the season, they have a must win, or they're in the playoffs, and we all go back to it again. But that's the nature of sports. And uh, – you know, money said it. It's um, these quarterbacks. Uh, the wins and losses are on the quarterbacks and the head coaches, and to, and by extension, the coordinators. Always. That's what. That's how this league works. It might not be fair, but that's how it works. Um, and I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was training camp. I asked Justin Herbert about the the notion of wins and losses being on a quarterback's record. And he gave a really good answer, basically saying he thought that was kind of silly that it's you know it's eleven men on a side. It's you know there's and it's true. There's so much involved in it that it, you put it on one guy is is kind of ridiculous. But we all do it. And we all look you know you go to you know Pro Football Reference and the quarterbacks' records are there as a starter. And so I, I thought that was interesting. And now here a couple of years later we're looking at that and to think that's his perspective is is he kind of isn't in that group of it's kind of silly to, to grade quarterbacks that way, but that's how he's going to be graded. And money said it exactly right. You know, it, that, that's the, the nature of sports is Patrick Mahomes doesn't lose that game. You know, Josh Allen doesn't lose that game. That, it, it's not necessarily fair, but that's the reality. And that's the, you know, that's the reality these guys are all facing and no one more so than, than Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think to – to Lindsay's point, like the the one thing I, I think of, and, and again, look, I you know I do a radio show every day, you know, so it's like you know we're in the middle of it, and and plenty of you guys, you know, I mean, you post columns, or we all have social media feeds, we interact with people, and and I think to to your point, Lindsay, about Justin, like what what is it like what what is it that you're looking to see? I don't need to see more talent from Justin Herbert. I can just see him throw the ball more down. That's not it. Like if if I were to try to put a you know, to, to put a pin on it, it would be when Joe Lombardi calls in that freaking jet sweep to Michael Bandy <laughs> on, a, uh, you know, on a third and one. You say no. Justin Herbert goes, doing? he goes, F you. Are you out of your I'm mind? Doing? Everybody, we are quarterback sneaking this. I'm taking, I'm six foot six, 240 pounds. We're getting the first down, freaking jet sweeped. And then when you go to the locker room, you put your finger in his chest and you're like, don't ever do that again. Don't ever call that play again. And that's, that's kind of what I think we're speaking to. That's being comfortable. Like, okay, this is, this is what I have to do. I'm not just out here to execute because I can execute every play that is called into me perfectly. I know, and we know he can do that. Like, we've seen it play in and play out. It's, it's feeling comfortable overruling and saying, this is not your offense. This is my offense. All right? And from now on, don't ever do that again. Like, that's... That's, I think, what you're trying to, to look for, you know, because we see it, right? We see what was that argument with you on the sideline with 
You know, and that's what makes great quarterbacks. You know, why I'm not saying you have to do that all the time, but it's those Pat remember, hey, Patrick and, and Andy Reid were getting into it on the sideline. Well, you know, Jalen Hurts and Shane were into it on the sideline. Well, yeah, that's what happens. That's what you're talking about when those quarterbacks feel comfortable, you know, to say, Hey, what are we doing here, man? Like I'm out there. I see it all. Why would you call that play? That's not okay. You know, I think that's that's kind of what we're talking about. You want the guy to wave, wave off on fourth down. Get, get the, get the right. team off the field. We're going for it. Exactly. Too. We're going for exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I just want the guy who says no to the dead suit with Michael Dandy. I want to make sure I crystallize it. You know, yeah, I, really I, I want to make sure it's, it's just <laughs> really in case did. people I mean, forgot. It's a disaster. I mean, I just remember what, like, you talk about one play and sticks out. You just, in the press box, you're like, what are they doing? That's Lindsay. That's exactly what I said on the air. And I actually thought about, I was like, "Eh, I probably shouldn't have said that. I said, what are we doing? (laughs) What are we doing? You know, and that's, and that's perhaps why we're talking about Kellen Moore today. It reminds me a little bit. Remember the Anthony at the end of Anthony Lynn's tenure, when they had a couple of those plays where they inexplicably ran the ball when you absolutely can't run the ball. I remember at the time saying that the quarterback has to know we can't run this play. And that now we're a couple, you know, that was, you know, we're a couple years later and money's right. And, if, you know, they're about to give this guy whatever, $130, $150 million in guaranteed, you know, uh, in guarantees. You need him to overrule in certain situations. And part of that, uh, I, I think it's just his personality. I'm sure part of it's his upbringing. Uh, you know, it's, if you think about it, it's got to be, it's tough for, to overrule your coach. Um, but he's in a position where he's, that's the, that might be that next step we're talking about or looking for is that, yeah, that's what you have to do. That's what now you're getting paid to do. And, you know, if it, if it, uh, rubs some people the wrong way, who cares? I mean, you're the quarterback, you're the franchise, you know, you, you, you take, take control of this thing. I think that's, I, I think the Chargers would love to see him do that. And I think a lot of that too is, you know, think about, who we're, you know, who we're talking about, right? Andy Reid, who's a quarterback whisperer and empowers his quarterbacks and is all about, this is yours. We're doing this to, you know, hear about those meetings earlier in the week that he has and the quarterback's in it. Let's find the plays and let's, you know, and then you hear about, you know, think about Joe Burrow. The guy played for Ed Orgeron, for God's sakes. I mean, the man's a psychopath. So, you know, like he was like, oh, my, get out there, get the dog out there, Joe. You know, so Justin came from Mario Cristobal, who – basically told him, you are not to turn the ball over. We have a great defense. We will run the ball. You will run the ball. The last thing we can do is put the – and look, in a one a Rose Bowl. And then Anthony Lynn was a run-first head coach. Um, my defense is going to play for me. We're going to run the ball, run the ball. We're, we're going to protect the ball. I love Tyrod Taylor. That's my kind of quarterback. Like, so I think it's also important to remember, like, this is this guy's upbringing. These are the coaches that he played for. And so I think to have a – a new head coach or a new coordinator that, and, and then there's Joe Lombardi, you know, Drew Brees, ball's out, ball's got to be out. Let's get the ball out. You know, let's let the receivers do the hard work. You don't need to stand back there and wait. Let's fall in the receiver's hands. It's all about run after it's all yak. So I'm, I'm, that's why, that's why I'm excited about Kellen. You know, he was able to pair the talent of Dak, the leadership of, of Dak, the, the, the processing Dak is an incredible processor, like all of that into a top, into a number one offense. And so I think he needs that, hey, man. And, and look what happened with Shane. 
You know, what was Shane? Shane's a quarterback. Shane was a quarterback at UNLV. He's, he's a guy that knows, and he's like, no, what are we doing? We're pushing the ball downfield. T. Billy, Jalen Guyton, let's go sling it. So to have that guy in that position, I think, is going to go a long way. Jeff, Lindsey, Money and I talked about this at length last week. Austin Eckler, his whole situation, uh, the devaluation of the quarterback, uh, the running back, rather. Uh, you guys were there. You, you heard him talk to the media. You guys asked questions to him. What is your take on what happened with Austin this offseason and what it's going to look like moving forward, Lindsay? My take on what happened with Austin. Um, you know, I think for Austin's sake, he had to go see what was out there and if anybody would give him a big deal. He has outplayed his contract. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think the handwriting was a little bit on the wall that there is currently not a market out there for running backs um, to go make a lot of money, especially, um, you know, Austin's proven himself, but he's 28. He has a lot of miles on those tires and he's bet on himself. And, and I respect that. And I respect that. I mean, this is an undrafted guy who led the NFL in touchdowns last year, who put up an insane, I think number one in the league in yards after catch. Um, so he, he had every right to, to ask for more and to go look for more. I don't think it's surprising at all that he's back. I don't think it's surprising that he had only $1.75 million added in incentives. Um, because at the end of the day, teams just don't have to pay running backs. And I think we could argue till we're blue in the face um, why that is or why that shouldn't be. Um, but that is what it is. And, uh, you know, I think Austin has wants to come back out. I think there's been some questions about, like, well, how motivated is he going to be? This is his final year here. Well, yeah, and he's playing to prove that next year he gets another contract somewhere. Um, so, I mean, I think Austin's going to put in the same work that he's always put in. I think he's going to have a fantastic season with Kellen Moore. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the season it was a year ago because I think Kellen Moore is going to be a coordinator who can find other guys in the red zone. Um, but I, I, he's, an, he's a tool that they absolutely need, and I, I have no doubt that Austin's going to go out there and put forth the same effort and contribute greatly to the offense. Yeah, I Jeff, don't think, do think he's man? a guy. Yeah, he's not a guy you need to worry about. I think Lindsey's right on it. Um, and it's just a bad time in the history of the NFL to, to be a running back. That's just the reality of it. Um, but I, th I think, um, you know, when he first requested uh, to, a trade and the Chargers gave him permission, gave his agent permission, I, I thought maybe the, there was maybe a chance somebody could do something just because of his production, his red zone production, his touchdowns. Um, but, you know, we as the market unfolded, it just it, it was even it was even more glim than uh, than I think that uh, than than a lot of us had anticipated. I mean, it, it took even more of a downturn. So, at that point, I think it was pretty clear he was coming back. But I, I don't think anybody needs to worry about uh, his motivation or what he'll, he'll, he's going to be the same guy, and the you know the Chargers going to need him to be the same guy because they they have the same running backs and. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's back to the Kellen Moore thing and, and how he's going to be able to exploit Austin. And I, and I think, you know, Lindsay's probably right, and I think it would be best for the Chargers if, if she is right. And, and his, his, he's maybe not as productive scoring-wise, which means other guys are more involved, which, which they need because you, you can't just keep, you know, you can't keep counting on him to score uh, whatever it is, you know, half, your, half or more and half of your touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah. Bunny, yeah, the, I wanted. Big I, thing. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. No, I was just gonna uh, 
get your thoughts on this, but also it reminded me yesterday, Sony Michelle was signed by the Rams. And you remember at the beginning of the year, we were, we were wondering like, hey, Josh Kelly's getting like five yards a pop and they take him out. Um, and, and Sony just, for whatever reason, didn't have it. So, you know, it, it's a kind of a two-part thing with, yes, I, I think Austin's going to have a productive year, but they're looking for that second guy and maybe it is Josh Kelly. We've talked about Isaiah Spiller a lot, but um, I just, I, it, it struck me funny when I saw the Sony signing and I was like, man, it just reminded me that Josh Kelly had a pretty good start to the year but in like two, three, four touches a game, you know? It'll be interesting, you know, what players are still out there the first week or the second week of training camp because that's where a lot of these players are going to get signed. And we've talked about this ad nauseum, right, Chris? Uh, Yannick Ngakwe is still out there and Frank yeah. Clark is still out there and Leonard Floyd, who Brandon Staley knows, is still out there. You know, there's a lot of players out there, particularly at the running back position, right? So – if that second player does not raise his hand in a hurry in training camp, I'll be interested to see if some of that money that's still out there is, is used because Kellamore likes having that second back. So that's, I think, and, and it's something that Austin has not shied away from. I think the one thing about Austin, and we said this repeatedly, yes, he is, he is severely underpaid for the production that he provides, but he's also lucky that he was an undrafted free agent and he was able to get that second contract. At least he got that. At least he got his 25 million bucks, which a lot of running backs don't. They're drafted in the fourth round. They chew them up over four years. They may not even get a, a second. They might even get franchised. And you're talking about a career earnings of like three and a half million bucks. And you put up, you know, three, 4,000 yards of offense and 20 plus touchdowns. So I'm happy for Austin that he was able because he does bust his tail. And he always comes. You saw him at camp. He always comes in, in camp in shape. He's great in the community. He just built that weight room for Long Beach Poly. Like, he's a great dude. He's a great teammate. He's a great player. The sad thing is, and we said this, you know, we talked about this last week, Chris, like, I don't think it's fair. I get it. I wish that running backs could get to their second contract sooner. That for, and you can't do that. The CBA's already been negotiated. But if we could just get them to their second contract by year three or something – Running backs don't produce. The numbers just are not there. Once they hit 28, 29 years old, it is a steep slope. The, the, the players that do continue to produce are complete and total outliers. And that's why these numbers look the way they do. And that's why the contracts look the way they do. So um, hopefully he hits all of his incentives, that he makes $8 bucks this year. And I don't know what it'll look like going forward. So to me, it's just a, it's a very narrow focus. It's... How's Austin going to play this year? And I think anything beyond that is – look, Josh Jacobs doesn't want to report for camp. Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing last year, and he couldn't find a multi-year deal. Like, it's, it's just crazy the way that position is, is treated in the league. And now everybody's sad. <laughs> Sorry. There's no segue to that, and the you know? show grinds to a halt. Everybody's like, man, that is too bad. These guys, that's, that's terrible. We, you know, we, we've, Sorry. we've, no, the Austin story has been running to the ground. We, we've talked a lot about it. Um, and Pardon the pun. I just, yeah, yeah, I said no pun, well, no well pun intended. He's still got some tread on the tires. Uh, yeah. Jeff and Lindsay, defensively, I think you can go in a number of directions. What's the biggest defensive storyline? Entering this year, you know, the the Bosa and Mac tandem, maybe staying healthy comes to mind, J.C. Jackson, and really just overall this defense getting better in an effort to help the offense, which we expect to score points, Lindsay. Yeah, for me, it's Bosa, Mac, you hit on it, and then J.C. Jackson. Uh, I think this is the last time we'll see Bosa and Mac together. I, I don't see it in 2020. 
what year are we in, 2024, that those guys are going to be able to make it happen. With their contracts, they both restructured. Uh, I think one of those guys is probably not going to be here for the long haul. Um, so whether or not that partnership can really kind of come to fruition and be what it was expected to be last year, which is one of the most feared tandems in the NFL, um, obviously if they get going, that would be a big, big boost for this defense uh, because if one of them gets hurt, I, I think they're in a world of hurt uh, without a without a really strong pass rush and no proven backups. So I think that's a, a big position that I will be watching. And then uh, J.C. Jackson, I, I, I don't think can be emphasized enough. Obviously this guy is uh, signed a huge contract. He's coming off a devastating injury. And I think it would be a little bit easier to say, okay, all he's got to do is rehab and get better and come back out because he was doing great last year. Unfortunately he, for him, he wasn't playing well last year before the injury. Uh, it, it just seemed like he wasn't a fit for the defense, whether that was mentally, physically, what they were asking him to do. I, I think that much is kind of unclear still, might've been both, but he is a huge wild card and someone who, when you look at the personnel in the secondary, they absolutely need him to play. The amount of money he's taken up and um, the, the lack of depth at the position. They, they need J.C. Jackson to perform. I am uh, glad that we got to the defense because uh, being the boring guy in this, uh, among this foursome, that's the one thing I keep talking about and I write about is really that everyone, and I get it with Kellen Moore and Justin and everything else on offense, but to me, they're going to throw the ball. They're going to, their offense is going to be okay. I think this, it's going to be determined. This season is going to come down to their defense. And um, it, it, it's, it's sort of accentuated by the fact that their head coach got his job because of what he did as a defensive coach. So I will promise you that it, it bugs the crap out of uh, Brandon Staley, what's happened to his defense the last two seasons. And he... Um, I, I, I'm sure is is 100% confident that they're going to really take a step forward and they're going to be a lot better against the run. They're going to be a lot better getting off the field than they've been. And I, and to me, I, I think that as this season unfolds, that's the thing that's really going to determine what this team does because I don't have any doubts about what's going to happen on offense. I think they're going to be ex more explosive. I think they're going to score. And I think Herbert's going to put up big numbers and Austin's going to do his thing. And, uh, to me, it just comes down to the defense is going to really determine the fate of this, this season. And so um, it, it's not nearly as exciting to, to talk about, but I, I think it's – I don't think we can talk about it enough or emphasize enough how this, they, they need to be better in those crucial moments than they were. And they, you know, 27 nothing. They, they played a lot, a big role in, in that falling apart too. Yeah, I think that's – it's a – it's a great point, Jeff, because, look, Brandon is very polarizing in the media uh, from his fourth down aggressiveness, his first season, to having Justin Herbert and not making the playoffs, um, his second season to, to losing a 27-0 lead in his last season. The one thing I'll say about Coach Staley is his game plans have been fantastic. You know, Miami is ripping the league apart. And, and let's even go to the week before that, right? They go into San Francisco, and the narrative is this is going to be humiliating. The, the, this is a nationally televised game. The Chargers are supposed to make the Super Bowl this year, and Kyle Shanahan is going to make a fool 
of Brandon Staley in this game and everybody's hurt and how are they? And they're in that game. They are trading punches until the fourth quarter with a completely decimated roster the following week. Oh, boy. Could lose three games in a row here. This, you know, what Mike McDaniel is doing to the league and all this speed and how are they to contend with it. And he's got a brilliant game plan. And he drops his, his second level of the defense a little bit deeper, keeps everything in front, and the defense wins that game. So, like, that's the thing about Coach Taylor that I think it's, it's very unfortunate for him. And I do think a lot of it is of his own making. He really kind of puts himself out there in the media, and I think that causes people to pick sides on do you like him, do you not like him. But I think the one thing that, that I will always stick up for, for Coach is the game plans are there. And they, they are there. They're there for Kansas City. I thought they got absolutely screwed in that, that third week of the season on Thursday night with some horrible calls uh, by officiating that should have led to two turnovers that didn't. The pass interference call, which was an abject failure, uh, that should have led to a, a, a turnover. Instead, it led to a touchdown for the Chiefs because it gave them a, a goal-to-go situation. And then, of course, the pickoff by Asante Samuel that looked like an interception I think it was really hard to turn over. So that, I don't want to, you know, legislate those things. But what I'm saying is the game plans are there. Like, I think it's hard to argue that he's not a, a good defensive strategist. He has been able to win games, I think, based on his schemes and what his approach is going to be to try to get the better of these offenses going in. And, and the roster has just been decimated. Um, I do think there are moments where it's gotten away from him, where, you know, perhaps – you know, whether it's personnel or – and that happens to everybody. But I guess what I'm getting at is, if you guys want to build on it, is I do feel like he's a good defensive coach. Like, you see these first half of games and the way these things stack up and the turnovers that are created or the numbers that are, that are being posted. It's just got to – the results got to be there. The results are not there. I feel like – I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't know if he gets out-adjusted at halftime or what's going on. If There's no such thing as halftime adjustments. But you know what I'm getting at. It just feels like yeah. – it feels like it's there. Like, what you're looking for, Jeff, I feel like is available. I just don't know why it's not led to better results. Lindsay, let me jump you know. in real quick. I want, you, I want to get your take on this because Warren Sharp had a, a tweet last week. They got a lot of traction. Uh, the Chargers won 10 games last year. These are the quarterbacks that they beat. Davis Mills, Marcus Mariota, Jacoby Brissett, Baker Mayfield, who was with the Rams for a cup of coffee, Nick Foles, who we know was there for a second, Russell Wilson in overtime, Ryan Tannehill, Kyler Murray coming back from injury, Derek Carr, and Tua. You don't see Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers on that list. And guess what? You're going to New York this year. Lamar Jackson's coming here. Justin Fields is coming here. So I, I think collectively, as Money said, collectively this defense just has to get better. And there are going to be times where they're going to have to stop Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen mm-hmm. or Russell Wilson with Sean Payton in order to win football games. And, you know, you win and you play who's in front of you on your schedule. But the quarterback – you're going up in class in 2023. Yeah, with without question. And I, like Money said earlier, I don't want to be a Brandon Staley apologist. Um, but in one season watching this defense, they did. They uh, they went in with a great game plan in San Francisco. They had a good game plan uh, week two against the Chiefs. They've had some good game plans. Why they can't 
capitalize on that and why they can't produce a win out of that sometimes it's like you really scratch your head and you don't it's hard to put your thumb on i mean there's no team that i've covered that was as challenging to define as the this team was last year and uh you think of the san francisco game i mean they had like three healthy defensive linemen by the end of it i know every team goes through injuries but this team is decimated by injuries and so uh, for me, with Brandon Staley, with the, even with the quarterbacks, he's facing tough ones this season. Like this has to be the year the defense produces. Like it can't be excuses about injuries. It can't be any. There's nothing that can come into play other than can your defense produce, regardless of who's out there, regardless of who you're facing. If you want to get to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to beat the Chiefs. Um, it, and so this is kind of the the make or break for the defense year three and you have to see the results um, because there's no no other excuse to kind of turn to at this point. Yeah. And the the thing that's tough to push back against Lindsay is the the numbers, you know, it's the worst run defense in the league. It's a terrible third down defense. It's like, that's, that's what's just sort of maddening. I think you said it, you hit it on the head. It's so hard to define you know, this, this, this team, this defense, because when you cover the team and you watch the team playing and play out, you're like, this is a good team. Like, yes. they're doing this. This is a hell of a coaching job. Like, did you watch that San Francisco? Well, yeah, but they lost. You know, did you watch the Chiefs game? Well, yeah, but Patrick Mahomes beat. Well, yeah, Gerald, you know, Joe, they're, they're calling a play in when Gerald Everett's trying to tap out, and it's a pick six that's the difference in the game, not to mention, like I said, two interceptions that are overturned. But that's not – Reality. Reality is they lost the game and Patrick Mahomes beats them every single time. And, you know, that's a Brandon Staley coach defense that you've got to lead with three minutes left in prime time at SoFi Stadium. And somehow the call comes in and Travis Kelsey breaks away from Derwin James. And that's who you want. That's who I want. I want Derwin James opposite Travis Kelsey one on one. Let's go. Your best. my And see you later. Touchdown game over. And it's just it's. It's hard to qualify. It's hard to quantify because what the numbers tell you it is and what you feel like you're seeing, it's just a weird – It's a, that side of the football is so freaking hard to analyze, describe, and get a feel for. Well, can I just add in, it's also hard to analyze and describe because uh, I have talked – I covered Brandon as a defensive coordinator with the Rams, covered him now obviously with the Chargers, and his defense isn't simple. Uh, you talk to a lot of his players, and it is quite complicated. Um, it took some time when he was became the DC for the Rams for those guys to understand because Brandon sees so much, and the call would come in for the defense, and the play caller or the the signal caller out on the field, the green dot, as everyone loves to call him, right? Uh, he had a hard time initially communicating what Brandon was communicating because Brandon sees so much. Um, and so I don't even know where I was going with this. Oh, it's hard for us to define because I, I think he is it's hard for professionals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he, he is a defensive mind. He does see so much, but sometimes that can also cloud you because things can get overcomplicated. Uh, but I, maybe that means that, uh, with some of those complications that now three years in, these guys have it down. Jeff, it goes back to your point about change versus kind of staying the same i think the personnel kind of stays the same but you know we saw michael davis take a huge leap learning that defense from year one to year two 
Um, all those injuries, if J.C. comes back and uh, Khalil and Joey can stay healthy for a majority of the season, then you can unlock Derwin James to do what we thought he was going to do last year. You know, I, I feel like we always go into a season saying, all right, Derwin's going to be this chess piece you could put up all over the field, <laughs> and then a ton of dudes get hurt, and he gets stuck just being like the, the, the guy in the Box secondary safety, that yeah. has like tried to <laughs> basically cover all bases, you know? So I think maybe if it's injury, injury luck is huge, but Jeff, I'm looking at Derwin, and if, if, if th- those guys that I mentioned stay healthy – Derwin can really do a lot of damage as, as a first-team All-Pro. Oh, absolutely. And, we, you know, there was a stuff the other uh, from a week ago or a couple weeks ago, whatever it was now on social media, the Chargers put out about him working on the edge, which we've seen some of that. And obviously he can, he can do that and he can play anywhere. Um, you know, when you're, you're thinking about Derwin's uh, situation, I mean, JT Woods comes into play there. Um, that's a guy who... Brandon Staley, I think, is convinced he can turn into a, not only a starting NFL player, but a really good NFL player. And, and one of the things that, that uh, Staley prides himself on is development. And that doesn't get talked about a whole lot, especially as a head coach. But he is convinced that he can develop a guy like JT Woods into an effective defensive player. And if that, that happens... We've talked about the depth and the lack of depth they have in some spots. If that happens, um, now you you know Derwin, you can turn Derwin loose a little more, and uh, you know a guy like a guy like that that you know or a guy even a guy like Mark uh, Webb, you know if that guy can can give them some defensive snaps, some quality out there, uh, you know Der, that again that, that's another thing that could free up Derwin. Um, so I, I, I do. I mean, I, I, everything we're saying is, uh, I think, is, is accurate and it's, it's right on. And uh, in, in talking about this team and, and the difficulty and trying to sort of define why they may not have the success that, that you'd expect, the one thing I was thinking, listening to all you guys say that, was how many longtime Charger fans are sitting there would be watching this going, yeah, no kidding. We've been saying this for 50 years. <laughs> this is the Chargers, yeah. and, and unfortunately, that is the reality of this franchise. You know, you, you know, you want to get Brandon Staley going on something. Ask him about the history of the team and how it affects this this year's team. And he, you know, he he, I don't. He's told all of us repeatedly. I'm sure that he he can't believe we get lumped in with the history of this team, but he understands that's the reality of sports, and that's part of this franchise. And and that is until they win, and until they overcome all this stuff. That is going to be one of the narratives around the Chargers is they're just this team that's hard to figure out because they they seem better. Most seasons they seem like they're better than their record ends up being. Yeah, I think just just sort of quickly, Chris, because I you know I'm a slow processor, so I've got to like you know figure these things out, and then I'm going to go back a question earlier and add. But <laughs> I I really like Warren Sharp. I'm a big fan of his. He has had it out for the Chargers since they hired Joe Lombardi. Oh, no doubt. What what I would say is Brock Purdy made the AFC championship game. And if teams had beat Brock Purdy, you best bet your ass that that would have been on that list. Davis Mills, Brock Purdy. Like, I don't care who the quarterback is. All you got to do is punch your ticket into the tournament and anything can happen. We have seen 
the Giants win three wild card games and win a Super Bowl. We saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win three, you know, start in the wild card round and win three road games and win a Super Bowl. Whatever path you got to take to get into the tournament, take it. And the Bengals, the freaking Bengals made the Super Bowl two years ago. So, like, the whole, what, what does it mean about this team that these are the quarterbacks? I don't give a damn. You know, I care about what is the win total? Can you get to 10 wins? Because if you can get to 10 wins, as the Jaguars are going to tell you, anything can happen in the playoffs. You can be down 27 nothing and find yourself with a lead in the third quarter in Kansas City against the eventual Super Bowl champions. So, and, and so what's the narrative going to be after five weeks if the Chargers are 4-1? and one? Well, they beat Tua and Tannehill and Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo and you know, Mike McCarthy who can't even coach offense anymore. Like, I don't care. Win the games. Win the games. Is it going to be a tougher slate? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the Raiders are going to look like. Their offensive line still sucks. Jimmy Garoppolo's okay. He's not great. Is Russell Wilson? I love your workout video, Russell. Sweet. Way to go, dude. That's what you want to put out there after last season. Show me throwing some iron around. That's great. So, like, you know, I don't I – we can buy into it, you know. We can buy into all that stuff. Of it's, it's a much tougher quarterback slate. Aaron Rodgers was 90% retired three months ago. Does he really give a damn? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know. Who's his offensive coordinator, Nate Hackett? How did that look last year? Like, so there's so many variables that go into this thing uh, about is this going to be tougher? Is it going to be easier? It lays out great at the start, and then you got to deal with – I mean, they got – you know, is Justin – Justin Fields was – had the lowest passer rate. I think he was, what, 33rd in or 34th in, in QBR and passer and things like that. That's going to be a nightmare to defend. The team's not good, but that guy's a freaking nightmare to try to figure out if he's just going to grab the ball and run around like a psychopath. Like, that, that can blow up a defense. You don't know what to do. Like, it's, you know, the league is weird. The, 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 the schedule that we are looking at today is not going to look like that you know, in week 15 or week 14. Who knows what it's going to look like? You know what I mean? Like, that stuff to me is so crazy to try to, to try to lean on. Well, the Chargers weren't really that good last year because look at the quarterbacks they beat. Okay, well, what quarterbacks beat them? You know, Derek Carr beat them. Brock Purdy beat them. You know, it's like it was supposed to be a Tua-Justin Herbert showdown, and, and Tua was humiliated. You know, is that fair? No, it's, it's crazy. Like, it, it's crazy to try to – Mac Jones is probably going to beat him because Bill Belichick is a, is a nightmare to play against. You know, it's just like it's it is what it is. I yep. love the again, uh, I love I, I no I love I love when uh, money gets a little salty. It gets a little a little disparaging. I love it. I love yeah. it. It's great. It, it gets disgusting. Well, you know, Warren Sharp, the best Warren Sharp has had it out for the Chargers too. Like you know you he probably <laughs> saw I love Warren. Hey, I really do. That's a great I love tweet. What Warren this does. A, this is a great tweet to get people fired up. I will say that list, there, there weren't a lot of top-tier quarterbacks. And you play who's in front of you, 100%. You, you win 10 games in the AFC, you deserve to go to the tournament. But when Lamar Jackson comes to town and, you know, Nate Hackett and Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers won an MVP with him a couple of years ago. So, you know, Josh Allen's coming to SoFi Stadium. Patrick Mahomes twice. Russell Wilson can't be any worse than he was last year. Um, so it's just... The, the AFC is a beast, which is kind of my final question, guys. What is this Chargers team going to look like in 2023 in this loaded AFC? 
Lindsay. Of course, you're starting with me. What are they going to look like? <laughs> I, I, I hate to, I don't know. I don't know. The The AFC is a gauntlet. It's daunting. Um, I heard, I haven't verified this yet, but I heard that when the schedule makers were looking at the schedule, they're looking at every, all the factors, what makes the schedule tough, what makes it easier, da, da, da. The common denominator was, do you have to play the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, the Chargers have to play them twice. <laughs> so I, who knows how they're going to do it. As long as they're in the same division as the Chiefs, I, they're chasing them, obviously. Uh, so the best they can hope for is to maybe beat them. Um, I think, realistically, you hope that you come in second in the division to them. Um, and then you give yourself a chance once you reach the playoffs. Um, but how this is going to shake out, I don't know. I mean, the, the Bills, obviously, the Bengals, uh, with Aaron Rodgers coming over to the conference, it, it's it's looking tough. But this is that's why you get paid and why these guys make all the money to, to go play the tough games, right? Yep. Uh, remember a year Jeff. ago at this time, we were all talking the AFC uh, – West is it's it's unbelievable. All these teams are going to be yeah. have winning yeah. records. That's the vision of football. <laughs> and then we saw it happen. So, out. so money's exactly right. The strength of schedule stuff. Talking about it right now is ridiculous because who the heck knows with any of this stuff? Uh, I think uh, you know. I, I think the Chargers. Uh, I, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be a playoff team. Um, the Chiefs are going to get – one of these years, the Chiefs aren't going to win the division, and I think the Chargers are the next best choice. And, you know, you go back two years ago, uh, that Thursday night game against the Chiefs at home, if they win that game, they're in first place. So, I mean, they were really close, uh, you know, in Brandon Staley's first season. So, uh, I, I don't – there's no reason for me to, to – when you look at this team to think um, – that they're they're going to go backward. I, I think you know, and maybe you know, this time of year everybody's better and everybody's you know going to be really good. But I, I do think there's all kinds of reason for optimism for this team, and um, I, I would be very surprised if if uh, if I, I maybe not if they don't make the play. I'd be very surprised if they're not in the conversation at the very end again, like they were in the last two years. But I you know I fully expect them to 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 challenge the Chiefs and and to make the playoffs and and take another run at it. You know, I, I just go, I, I, what we focused on too much in the AFC, and I understand it's quarterback league. We, we just keep talking about these quarterbacks, and we keep saying, well, you know, when you go through Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and, and we're guilty of it. I'm not absolving myself from this. I've done it. You know, I'm just looking, so I'm looking off to the side here. So Joe Burrow, uh, Aaron Rodgers, jo, uh, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, like two of those guys aren't going to make the playoffs. And that's what we're focusing on. We should be focusing on the entire team. You know, like of all those teams, the Broncos roster is stacked. We know how good that defense was last year. And if Sean Payton can make any sort of impact, like just make them 40% better on offense, you know, Javante Williams being back and, and like what that could mean, like that's the thing is, do we trust the Jets? Do we, do we really believe in that offensive line that has a swing tackle at left tackle in, 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 in they have, I think, Mekhi Becton might play? Does he feel like playing football? I don't know. That's the offensive line that we're, we're talking about. So we know the Bengals are going to be good. We know the Chiefs are going to be good. I think last year we saw a little bit of an issue with the Bills 
with the offense, and it got a little sideways there for a while. And we were talking about they can't run the ball, and Josh Allen's got to do too much, and it's going to catch up with them at the end of the season. And it didn't. Mitigate obviously mitigating factors going into just the nightmare that they had to deal with toward the end of the season. But I think when you start going through, if you don't just name quarterbacks, you start talking about coaches and rosters and like those sort of things, it's not just going to be the nine quarterbacks that come into play for seven spots. It's going to be, did you go into a game against San Francisco, like you said, Lindsay, with three healthy defensive players? Like that's, that's going to come into play as to which one of these teams gets excluded and, you know, people get cut and coaches get fired because it's like, no, we got a really good roster that could have won the Super Bowl and we didn't even make the playoffs. And that's what's going to happen this year. And it's, it's going to be competitive and it's going to be tough. And it's going to go beyond, you know, what the quarterback does. It, it, it just it, – it has to. I mean, the Jets were terrible at quarterback last year, and they were in it until the final three weeks of the season. You know, so any, anything could happen. It, it, it doesn't have to be predicated on the success of the quarterback or what the name is on the back of their jersey. Muddy, to piggyback off that, you didn't mention the Steelers or Patriots because they don't have that – "Quote unquote franchise quarterback." They got right. But look at their rosters, and you know the Steelers—they finished the season very strong last year. Kenny Pickett looked encouraging, you know. And if, if Mac Jones gets another weapon, you still have Bill Belichick coaching that team. See, it's here's, just another here's example. Here's what's great about me. Here's here's what's great about me is watch just the the incredible hypocrisy uh, that, <laughs> that shows up immediately. Okay. Because I've been hearing too much about this Pittsburgh run at the end of the season, <laughs> and. You just you, you can't help but go through the the games and just be like, okay, let's. You play let's who's take in front easy. of you, buddy. You play who's in front of you, but to suggest that that is a precursor for success this year is, I think, a little foolish. There, they played. Uh, what did they closed with? Atlanta with they closed with Indianapolis win. Atlanta Desmond Ritter. I don't even know who was quarterback in that team in Indianapolis at that time so then you've got Atlanta win they lost to the third string quarterback of the Ravens uh, they beat Carolina who in that game started Sam Darnold uh, after that they beat Vegas after uh, Derek Carr that was his last game remember before he got benched and he was already on the way out then they end up beating Baltimore with the third string quarterback and see what I mean like it's and then here I am being a hypocrite. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying projecting future success for the Steelers based on the way they finished last season is a little bit misleading. Or that's if, you, if you just go the last 15 years, Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record. You've that's been, exactly that's what I would That's probably a better track record, right? Yes, that's what I would bank on. Like, I, the, the Steelers are always in the mix, and they have an incredible defense. It, it sounds to me like Money had the under on the Steeler win total last year. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? It's, uh, it's my dear friend Dave Damashek and I screaming and yelling at each other when he suggested the Steelers were going to win 11 games this year because of how strong they finished the season last year. And I said, that's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You want to project them to win 11 games, fine, but don't tell me it's because of how they finished the season last year against those teams that they finished against. Sorry. You, you, you sniffed it out, though, Jeff. There was an underlying <laughs> agenda attached to that rant. Guys, we, we've kept you away late. Lindsay, 20 seconds. What's, what's a storyline for fans to keep their eye on a training camp? Maybe a player or a position group that, that you're kind of excited to watch come into July? I'm just going to keep beating this drum. The Kellen Moore storyline. I, mean, I really think 
that that is going to determine what this offense can do this season is going to determine how far they go in the playoffs and really I mean that ultimately determines who's back next year um so I, I really it's what Kellen Moore can do with Justin Herbert what Justin Herbert can do with what is now a plethora of talent, minus a little question mark at tight end. Uh, but, you know, they feel confident with what they got, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, so for me, I just, again, it's the Kellen Moore situation. And then you got to talk about, oh, Kellen has great success. So what happens in 2024 with Kellen Moore? But we'll save that for later. A whole nother podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. You'll be invited back, Lindsay. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Jeff Miller, what about you, man? Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with defense, baby. That's my theme. Uh, I'm, it'll be fascinating to me to see what happens with J.C. Jackson. Um, you know, just if he can make it back. Uh, he seems to be uh, on schedule. And, uh, and as Lindsay mentioned, it'll be really interesting to see if he can perform in this defense because we don't know if he can yet. And, you know, what he did in New England, you can't deny that. It was uh, those numbers are ridiculous. And if he, if he can bring that to this team, it would be an enormous boost. So that's good. That would be the one guy if I was going to watch one guy just to see, see where he's at and see how he, he comes along because he, he could make a huge difference for this defense. Money, what you got? Eh, why not? Kicker competition. Oh. The Chargers play close games. They play close games. They always do, and, and I've been around long enough to see kickers ruin seasons for this team, <laughs> completely ruin seasons. So I'm a, I like Dustin Hopkins. I love Cameron Dicker. I do think they're – to me, they just they play close games that the Chargers do for whatever reason, and, and kicking can be the difference in wins and losses. Yeah, Lindsay. Isn't the good news with this kicking competition is like – they both were really. I mean, Dustin Hopkins. I just wrote about it. He lost. He's, he could potentially lose his job for kicking like a game-winning field goal in overtime. Like that. Yeah. That that is at least a much different scenario than like guys who couldn't hit a field goal to save their life. I mean, these are two guys who are are good, and so it's like an ex, it's like an exciting competition, not like a oh my gosh, can anyone kick a field goal competition? And that's and the exciting thing about that too, or I shouldn't say exciting. The good thing about it is they're both going to have jobs. Whichever one of them is cut is going to be signed to be the starting kicker for another team. So it's not like they're going to be out of a job kicking at Santa Monica High. See my tape? I'm ready to go. Who wants to sign me? Like they're not, you know, that's not going to, I should say crossroads, not Santa Monica. Like that's, so that's the way I think it'll end. There's a happy ending for whichever one of these two doesn't make the team. Um, so there you go, Chris. There's mine. Let's That's keep a good an eye one. on the kickers. We, you know, we haven't yeah. talked about the fact that there even is a competition. I think because for good reason. Point, both both guys were very good last year. Yeah, Cameron, Cameron Dicker. For good reason. We want people to download and listen to the pod. <laughs> this would be the this will be the the headline. This will be the t- uh, the the title for this podcast: Kicking right. Competition. It goes, right. Go to fifty-seven forty-three time code. To, to listen. We needed we needed forty we needed four different voices to weigh in on how this kicking competition ends up. That's why. Uh, I, I'll just quickly add two guys that I'm just excited to see, uh, JT Woods and Isaiah Spiller, two, two guys from last year's rookie class who didn't really see the field. Um, you know, Jeff and Lindsey Money and I talked about the fact that it seemed very apparent that Alohi Gilman is the starter. Derwin feels very comfortable with Alohi back there. And then, you know, for Isaiah Spiller, youngest player drafted last year, didn't see much of him. Uh, it was a curious kind of running back rotation, to say the least, last year behind Austin anyway. So, Maybe Isaiah can, can 
be that guy, and, and he and Josh can push each, push each other to, to get some run behind Austin. So there you go. There we go. Jeff this and Lindsey, go seek out uh, Chris Smith at training camp. You've earned yourself a bucket hat for, uh, for an hour <laughs> and seven minutes of podcasting today. <laughs> well I done. I know. You did great, Jeff. No, uh, no Miata, no Miata tricks in the in the uh, right. with the phone. I mean, totally professional today. Totally, one hundred percent all pro performance by me. I'm just going to throw it out there. You guys are the best, Lindsey Thury, ESPN, Jeff Miller, LA Times, and the great Matt Money Smith. I'm Chris. We'll see you next week. Ooh.